0: Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I am Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And today we're going to talk about how to taste
1: wine. Oh, we are not really, Rick, are we? We're really not going to do one of those ridiculous,
0: here's how to taste wine like a pro, are we? Oh, dear Lord, no. Exactly the opposite. We're going to tell folks how to taste like you. Well, them. Like me? Like them, really. (laughs) It's not like me. I don't want to taste <laughs> and like don't, me. And for, God, <laughs> I, I sure don't want to taste I, like you. I've seen Paul taste. And you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to. It's just, you think I'm messy.
1: <laughs> I think we've
0: botched this pretty successfully. Yes. <laughs> Let's We're, get into this. We could, if you watch us, we can teach you how to spill. Now, we are talking about how to taste like yourselves, and we'll tell you more about that in a second. Also, today, we have listener questions about rosé, about wineries bragging about oak while sommeliers hate it, yep. and about the Correct ice cube usage, and yes, that's mm-hmm. ice cubes in your wine, right, yep, Paul? Yep, sure. Plus, as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs, especially the ones that hate ice cubes. Oh, boy, let's get into this. <laughs> All right. So let's start with a simple concept. Many, many people taste wines to find wines they like to drink. Seems like a pretty simple process. You taste the wine, you like it, you drink more. You right? don't like it, you say, mm, I don't want any more of that one. Right. Except... All those bad wine snoots and the bad psalms out there, and there are many good ones, um, there, there are tons and tons of good psalms and wine servers who just want to help you find wines you like. And so we need to say that right off the top because we're going to make fun of the other ones. Yeah,
1: because most – in a good restaurant, any good server and or sommelier will try to
0: help you find stuff that will make sure you have a good time and come back. That will tell you – that you tell them the kind of thing you like and they'll get you that. Yep. But there are also some psalms and servers and wine shop folk a little less that uh, they want to serve wines that they think make them look good. And relatives at family gatherings. Well, there's that, too. We've talked about that during our holiday shows all the time. Um, But uh, what we are doing about is uh, how you can taste wines to help yourself find more wines that you like. So this is – it's really a simple thing. Um, where there's, you know, too much of this wine talk is, and I, I'm not going to say that, you, that this isn't something that you can enjoy doing, but this the wine talk and teaching is look at the colors, swirl, smell, pick out obscure fruits, fine. See, swirl, sniff, Spill. savor, swallow, yeah, swim, uh, yeah, There's that the stuff. 12
1: or 17 S's depending yeah. on how you count them. Um,
0: but the first thing is, and first, I'm first,
1: Rick, the first thing is absolutely before you do anything else is look at the bottle. Look at the label and determine which end of the bottle you're going to open.
0: Usually, it's the thin one.
1: Uh, almost always. Almost always. Almost always the thin one. I've tried the other side. It <laughs> Didn't work so. It's well, never been it. successful. But you know, if, I'm not convinced I'm always wrong about that. If you though. can get the other end of the bottle open, you have an instant glass. That's true.
0: So you're good to go at That's that point. That's true. That's true. If you have glass cutter or a laser, <laughs> I've I've seen it on James Bond movies. <laughs> All right. Um, so, But the first thing about any wine when you're tasting it, I'm going to go slow here for those cool psalms that we were just making fun of, is whether people like it. So when you taste wine yourself, rather than deciding what the color is and the secondary color and what berries you might be tasting, ask yourself this really simple question. Do I like it? Does it taste good to me? Yep. That's Booyah. all you need that's to That's your know. question. Exactly right. And it's not, are you supposed to like it, by the way, is it? No. No. Nor is it it tastes expensive you're supposed to ask yourself does it taste good to you yes and 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 then do you want more and then the next question is if you do want more then ask yourself why but once again it's not about picking out the aroma oh i like the fact that it is burnt dark slightly crisp cherry it's it's smooth or it's rich or it is cherries that i get or whatever it is that you get that you like right. That's the thing is you want to tell yourself that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if you don't like it, that's the that's also a question you should ask yourself, too. What is it that I don't like?
1: You know, I, yeah, and, you know, Rick, you've heard me tell the story before about how my my students. Yes. Again. And how they and how it changed things. But you don't actually need to tell yourself what it tastes like. You only really need to tell yourself whether you like it or not. Now, in the example I gave, I would give the students descriptors of the wines, of these two wines, and then they would close their eyes and try to identify them. And they did much better when I didn't tell them anything. They did much better when I simply said, you write down notes to yourself in your own words about what you like and what you didn't like. Now, as long as they're doing that, that's fine. Now, the problem is if one of the wines tastes like the seat of your grandpa's tractor and the other one tastes like the flea collar around your grandmother's cat, that isn't going to help the person who's trying to help you find a new wine. When you walk into the store and say, well, I had this wine. it was really great. It tasted just like the seat on my grandfather's tractor. They're going to say, hmm, I may need more information than that. That's where your system of Phone photographs is probably a better system.
0: Well, that's that's another piece too, and 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 that's what I always say is when you find a wine you like, take a picture of it. Yeah. When you find a wine you don't like, take a picture of it too. Turn your phone sideways; you have a right. reference point, and you can bring those to a psalm. Right. But for you yourself, it's also useful to be able to say these are the things. This is just for you. That these are the things that I like in a wine. Right. Because then it helps you think about the other wines that you might be tasting. If you want to think about it. Yeah, I if mean, want to think, of, oh, you know, that's true. That's th- true.
1: Th- there are the people who just want to drink wine because they like wine, and they're always happy to try something new and different. And they may not be particularly, let us say, judgmental about the wine. Some may seem really tart. Some may seem really sweet. But they all seem to taste pretty good. And after a couple of glasses, they all make you feel good. So if that's the way you want to approach wine, mm-hmm. that's the way you should approach
0: wine. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is when you go, say, if you do go wine tasting, which is often the case— where you'll taste through a, a series of wines with a winery, you know, and they're going to tell you, they're going to give you a tasting note. They're
1: going to just, oh, they're not yeah. only going to do that, they're going to tell you every step of how the damn wine was made well, it was from that. What, to, what, yeah. what clothes the vineyard worker was wearing when he picked the grapes. Plaid.
0: The... And wine always tastes better when the vineyard worker <laughs> is wearing plaid. Stripes make wine terrible. <laughs> do not buy wine with stripes. No, that's right. And but, and I mean, so what ends up happening is when when people taste wine at a in a tasting room in a winery, often what they try to do right. is start to try to write their own tasting note to themselves. Right. And first off, you shouldn't do you Don't do that if you, I mean, if you're good at that, that's fine. But go back to what Paul was talking about with his class, describing wines in ways that they could find that wine again. Yeah. You want to be able to describe this wine in a way that you could find this wine or another wine some way that made sense to you. And, so, and what is it that you like or dislike about the wine? So without going into a huge amount of detail, I'm going to say there's basically
1: three things that you talk about. You talk about what it smells like, and don't think you need to come up with a lot of stuff. But if it smells like strawberries, that smells like strawberries to you. If it smells like the flea collar on your grandmother's cat, what it smells like. Second thing is how
0: it— could be—and it could also be—it could even be less descriptive than that. You could say it just had this real nice perfuminess to it. I mean, you yes. can—just because now you know yep. wines that have that, those, those yep. big aromas. And then the second thing is,
1: to me, the, the part that, frankly, most people in the wine business don't spend enough attention on is, what does it feel like in your mouth? Does it feel like you want it to slide down your throat, or does it feel like you'd really be happier spitting it out? Texture.
0: And that's that's important, too. You know, we have we have in the past, we will, again, make fun of these psalms and wine shop guys that, that made fun of their customers for asking for wines that were smooth. Right. But, the, but that's the number one thing. But conversely, I do know people that, including a woman that I'm married to, that likes the wines with a bit of edge. Well, she, she likes the acidity and the tannins as, for her. That's fine, too. If you're that person, it's good to know that. Right. Because ultimately, that's the kind of wine you're looking for.
1: As we've said, my wife is a very high- Highly trained chef, and she likes salad dressing with less vinegar in them than I do. Neither one of us is right,
0: but no, no, Margaret's right. Yeah,
1: but she's, when, she's way right. When she makes salad <laughs> dressing, she often. Puts the bottle of vinegar on the table and says, "I made a really good salad dressing. You'll probably
0: want to add a little of that to it." (laughs) Yeah, and so that, and I think that's actually another really important point too. As you're tasting wine, is that whether you like it, not your companions, not the people behind the bar, right? And you get to you get to like what you like, you get to dislike what you like, and and that's how you, and and when you can sort of feel comfortable doing that, tell Rick and Paul said. It's okay for me not to like this. That's right. It it makes it so much easier for you to decide which wines that that you might want to buy again. So that brings me to my
1: third. You know, I said there were three. You want to smell it. You want to taste it and feel the texture. Do you like to swallow it? You want to spit it out. And the third one is you need to carefully look at that glass of
0: wine and say, how expensive is this? Yeah, it's important too. (laughs) Yeah, and if it's inexpensive, you probably like it. They're going to like those things more the advantage to to finding a few things that you can desc- describe for what we were talking about before hmm. which, you know cuz you can certainly nowadays you can show your cell phone to the psalm and say i right. liked this wine you right. know but it's also nice and just in talking about it cuz when you tell yourself it's i like the smoothness I like, as we had a question not so long ago about why do wines have a buttery taste to them? Uh-huh, uh-huh. If you say, I like these things, I notice these things and like them or dislike them, either one's right. fine. And um, that it, you'll start to recognize that more too. And actually, in essence, in, define, in saying them out loud to yourself, mm-hmm, you'll pick mm-hmm. it up because you know, you're know you sort of engaging the logic center that is, it that helps, it's helping to, to sort that through. Not critical, I'm just saying it's not a bad thing. And so, it's a fun game, but the game is not to pick out the seven different fruits and the 14 herbs and what kind of well, earth it was is, planted in. It's a game. And it's a game. Have fun. Relax. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. And – um And you can do that anywhere. I mean, you can do it at a taste room and a dinner with that phone thing. You know, you you can do it even at a friend's house. Although, if you take a picture...
1: No, 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 no. You you want to be careful at a friend's house. You only take the pictures of the ones you like at your friend's house. Well, or you tell them that you have to turn the phone this way to get a different angle. But you don't dare tell your friends that the ones that are... One way are the ones you liked and the ones that are the other way. And then you start taking pictures of people around the
0: table. Look out. Yeah, especially the ones you take horizontally, which is funny because when everybody comes to my house, their phones are horizontal. It's it's a little frightening, Paul. I hope they don't listen to the show. (laughs) All right. That is it for that. For the moment, we're going to go take a few questions. I hope that helps a little bit. Really just. Trust yourself. Trust your own judgment. That's the answer on that one. Yep. And speaking of answers, we're taking some questions. Thank you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. If you'd like to ask us a question and you are not on our website, that website is rickandpaulwine.com. And just uh, click in there, ask us something, we will mangle that just like we just did the last portion. <laughs> our first one comes from Richard in Oakland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says, wineries always brag about the kind of oak barrels they have. And then I keep hearing our wine guy at my favorite restaurant complain about Oaky Wines. What is up with that? (laughs) Richard, man, you nailed it. You nailed it, Richard. Of course, the one thing you have to understand
1: is that oak barrels can cost over $1,000 a piece. Yeah. So the winery owner that buys oak barrels, he's going to talk about them in the same way that anybody's going to talk about the new car that cost them a lot of money. They just dropped a ton of money on that. They got to talk about it. So they're talking about it. Meanwhile, you're absolutely right. The first thing you ask any winemaker, even the ones who use those really expensive barrels that they're always talking about, and you say, well, what exactly are you hoping to achieve by putting the wine in the barrel? And the first thing they'll say is, well, we really don't want the oak to dominate the fruit. We really want the fruit to come through. And you're thinking, if you want the fruit to come through, why are you putting
0: it in oak after all? And and there's another piece of that, too, which is that it's the, is the gap. Just talking about people like liking wines. There's sort of a gap between um, what the average consumer and the more quote unquote experienced uh, sommelier might like, which is, you know, what oak does among other things is makes the wine smoother. Can it, even make it seem sweeter. Yeah, and it can add notes of vanilla and yep. and oak. <laughs> yep. And um, yep. and for some psalms, that's. The, not ideal, and so they don't like it. Despite the fact that wineries tell you it made the wine good, you, you know. Listening to us just a little bit earlier, if you could decipher what we were trying to say, was <laughs> you you get to decide for yourself. Yeah, and um, yeah. but there is that yeah. there is that split. And Richard, if you like those wines that the wineries bragged about the oak, and you like them. Of course, take out your phone and take a picture. But remember that maybe you do like Oaky Wines and, right. and ignore and your say so. Ignore your sommelier. Yep. Or if your sommelier says that, you say, hey, you know, I happen to like Oaky Wines. What's up with you? And Or
1: what have you got on the list that I'm going to like that's got a lot of oak in it? Yeah, and he and, will and, hem and haw and hem and haw and, and say,
0: I'm going to turn my phone sideways when I take a picture of you, <laughs> yes, my dear customer. And you say, Richard, spare me your attitude. No. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Be nice to your guy. He's working. This is from Candice in Canton, Massachusetts. Mm. A long way away. Yes. Well, uh, this is my cousin. Uh, okay. Good. She's a very nice person, despite the fact that she's related to me. Yeah. Okay, good. But she asked a very simple question, which was, how do they make rosé? We've really gotten to like it. Do they blend some red and white together? This is what Candice, Candy, my Uh lovely cousin, asked because she didn't know. And it's a really good question because,
1: in fact, there are... couple of different ways to make rosé and one of them and a
0: debate between which is best yeah although i'm going to say there's more but it depends who makes it because if you make it one way then that's the best way
1: yes Mm -hmm. but the people who make what most critics think is the best rosé in the world and that can come from a couple of different regions but all of those regions have one thing in common which is they all make it on purpose they make it on purpose and they start with red grapes And remember that red grapes have white juice. And then after they pick the grapes, they just let the juice sit on the skins for four hours, six hours, eight hours, something like that, to just pull a little bit of color into the wine. And then they immediately press that juice. And now you've got this delicate pink color. They ferment it pretty much like a white wine and they're good to go. There are regions that blend red and white together yeah. and they can make some pretty good yeah. wines too.
0: And the other most common version and depending on who you're talking to this is a good one too, although Paul's is by far the, the generally generally considered the, the more the better way to do it, which is they bleed off the juice. So what happens is say you're making a a big red wine. Well, it's actually
1: exactly the process that I just described, but they don't press all the juice. Right. They only press about 10% off. And leave the rest of the juice sitting on the skins.
0: So that juice then becomes a big, heavy, intense, rich red wine. And the juice and that the, was taken off is now, they've got this juice, so let's make a rose. And it's, it's not, not entirely it's that casual, but pink. yes. But it's not fresh
1: and lively the way you would pick a rosé. It's made to make a pretty heavy wine, so it's a little heavier. It's not quite as refreshing
0: as some of the the really great rosés of the world. Yeah, you will go to wineries where you'll find a wine a rosé like that, and you'll love it. And or, or you might. And they will be very proud of the fact that they made it that way. And be nice to them because both because <laughs> it's really once again, if you like that one better. Then that's cool. Then too. you should drink it. Yeah, that's the one you should, then drink. you should drink it. Yes, and then uh, but and on, on some occasions they actually do blend it. Often in my kitchen. Uh huh. Yeah, you make a you make a lot of rosé in your kitchen. Right? We do. Uh, I usually sometimes I blend
1: it with coffee gets me started in the morning. Yeah. Well, better than Coca-Cola, I yeah. guess. Huh? You know, uh, now, what uh, kind of oak do you age your coffee in?
0: It's, it's, it's a ceramic oak is what I use. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, you could make a whole little report on this ceramic-aged coffee that you make in your kitchen. <laughs> That's right. And it will be
0: the only kind of coffee to drink. Too, will it be a site, site-specific it coffee? Will, well, it will. <laughs> All right. That is it for questions for now because we're just getting silly. We will have more uh, later <laughs> in the show. I can't promise you that we won't be silly when we get back to them. But coming up, we have some really horrible wine writing. Oh, boy. And it's time. It's time. And so we've been talking about describing wines. Uh, Paul. I think it's, uh... Well, I'm going to
1: bring back an old favorite because I've had the experience uh, three or four times in the last few months of speaking at a conference or something and having com- someone come up to me and say, listen to your podcast – and love the fact that you make fun of wine writers who use the term cassis to describe wine because nobody in America knows what cassis is. Nope. And of the few people who know what it is, even a smaller percentage have ever tasted it. So why are we talking about it? And yet it comes up over and over and over again.
0: It is. It, it is. It's, you know, it's the one of the quote unquote official markers of Cabernet Sauvignon, but also some other yep. uh, big red wines. And yep. so everybody who knows that they're tasting Cabernet knows that they're supposed to throw in cassis. That's right. Whether they know what it tastes like or not. Here's a funny story is I gave my students
1: at Napa Valley College a liqueur made from Cassis and I gave it to them blind and I said, What does this smell like? And they identified lots of perfectly good fruits. In other words, they, they identified things that this thing tasted a lot like. But not blackcurrant. Nobody ever said cassis or blackcurrant. Cassis currant. Or black currant. yeah. yeah. So, cassis is
0: made from blackcurrant. Because it turns out that there's lots of things that cassis tastes like. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, most people have no idea what blackcurrant tastes like. And so it's, it's That's right. cassis is a liqueur made from blackcurrant. So now we're a level beyond the level of which they didn't know anything to begin with. Which is pretty common for us. <laughs> Well, that's us not knowing everything. Yes, but in any case, uh, horrible descriptor. Um, all right. Okay, I so bet you have one. I have. Well, I have two. Um, oh, of course. These you are do. these are two wines from the same writer, and they are next to each other in the review. So one is dark garnet. Clear in the glass. Dark, carnate, and clear in the glass. Okay. When clear is a standard of the look clear of the as wine. as opposed to it should cloudy. Yeah. And should, should, there are, have it has I no business a, being in a wine. Haven't or, seen a cloudy yeah, wine yeah. in a number of years. On the nose, dark fruits, plum, cassis, yeah. and Excellent. blackberry. yeah. On the palate, cherry, raspberry, blackcurrants, through the mid-palate, notes of tobacco and spice flavors, like, lively but subtle tannins, and an ideal finish. Okay. Ideal finish. And the next one. On the nose, dark foods, black currants, and blackberry. On the palate, black cherry, cassis, currants, anise, raspberry, hints of tobacco, stylish spices, fine grain tans, substantial uh, finish. Can you tell which wine is different from which wine? Yeah, uh, a couple of them had adjectives
1: that were slightly different.
0: Well, right. That's true. One they were fine-grained tans. And, and stylish to... spices. I like that, by the way. Uh, uh, Well-dressed. Yeah. They wear a rakish, rakishly tilted hats. <laughs> well, I think they were just hanging out with Paris Hilton. It could be. Could be, uh, but these are these are identical descriptions, and they weren't even the same wine, right? They weren't even the same grape. I mean, they were not the same grape. They were not the same.
1: Holy macaroli! Yeah. One was a cabernet. Uh huh. One was a syrah. Okay, let me guess. Um, nope, no idea.
0: There's no way to tell. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they are virtually identical. The first one was the cab.
1: Okay. Well, good to know. Yeah.
0: Although I would have guessed that, you know, it, having told you that, maybe because of the dark, the only difference was one is dark on it and the other one is just garnet. So the darker one, you might have thought, well, it, there's nothing. There's nothing here to help you. Yeah.
1: Well, except that the Syrah has black cherry and the other one just had cherry. So I would have gone the other way around. There, there you but go. But who knows? I know, I know, I know, I know.
0: Okay, good. All right. Anyways. All right. Yes. Well, that's. That's why. uh, That's why you should. You know, when you're when you're uh, talking to yourself, don't um, don't put it in writing. Don't put it in. (laughs) Don't put it in. Don't try to write a tasting note because Uh um, it it just. uh, All right. Uh, So we got another question, and we're going to go back to questions. If you'd like to ask us one, and you're not on our website, the place once again is Rick and Paul Wine, all one word, RickandPaulWine.com. This is from Stephen in Sacramento. He asks. Is it ever okay to put ice in a wine? Yes. Many different ways, many different times. Yes. And in
1: fact, I will tell you that my wife, again, we've mentioned she's a top-level chef and all, but she frequently finds uh, some wines and wine regions uh, too big, too alcoholic, too heavy, and she likes to just take a little ice cube and drop it in the wine to— First of all, cool it down, because often red wine is served a little too warm. And second of all, to thin it out a little bit, because she doesn't want syrup with her food. She wants wine. So right off the bat, she puts it in for two reasons, and both of them are what make her happy. And you know what? What? That's
0: good enough for me. That's more than good enough for you. That's critical <laughs> for you. I'll I'll tell a wife story too. Uh, my wife had a uh, a glass of Sauvignon Blanc, and yep. it was a, not as Sauvignon Blanc's always pretty good cold, and it wasn't quite as cold. She wasn't sure what to do. I said, drop an ice cube in it, and then when you're when it gets to the temperature, you know, pour it without the ice cube in another glass or just fish the ice cube. Either way, yeah. she did. She was fine. She was happy. totally happy with it. See? And that's you've made your wife happy. Critical to me. So I have one other
1: story to tell, which is when I take groups of very experienced sommeliers and wine writers to Spain in the summertime, it's really hot, and everybody wants to know what to drink, and I always tell them that I'm going to have a Tinto del Verano, and they all say, oh... What is that? And I explained that it's red wine mixed about two parts red wine to one part seven up over ice. And they look at me as if I've lost my mind, and they all order something. No, it's not about what you ordered, Paul. It's just they've been hanging out with you for a while. (laughs) They all order something off the wine list, and when the waiter comes around for the second round of drinks, everybody has tasted mine and says, could we have one? of What did you call it, Paul? What was that called? A Tinto del Verano? Yeah, Tinto del Verano. Seven up on ice. Yeah. Red wine. Hot, Hot which, summer which, day, perfect right, combination. And
0: which gets back to our point about if you like it, that's cool, and that's how you tell yourself that. And, and if you do try that with a, a white and it does, or a wine and it does feel a little watery to you, then maybe you don't like to do that. But it, right. I find it works various ways, never a problem. Don't let them sneer at you. Yep. And don't let them sneer at you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul <laughs> because that's it for today. Our producer is Matt Piscini. Thank you, Matt. And thanks to Capital Public Radio for this studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question, remember you can do that. We encourage it. We'll be nice to you, just not the people you're making fun of. And it's at rickandpaulwine.com. All one word. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's when it comes to wine, listen to yourself. Oh, and us. Or at least our podcast. There you go. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines you drink are with friends, or with us, especially us.